people are singing, dancing, blah, 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 drinking alcohol the American way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. My seems straight. I'll say. <laughs> we'll see you around, girl. Bye, sugar. <laughs> we have been playing with the wrong band. Sound Daphne. Hello, everybody. Ooh. It is Sin. Oh, we're going to say Sincast there for a second. Um, <laughs> it is Recotopia episode 67. And uh, we have a full on crew here today, don't we? Ooh. We have Jeremy. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing all right. And Aaron Dicer's here today as well. Heidly yeah. host, Enterinos. Do we want yeah. to tell everybody we, why? We, we, can, <laughs> can we, we can do the announcement at the end, I think, because okay, sure. otherwise people might be just thinking about that the whole time. Okay. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I anyway. do tend to dominate people's mind space. That is, that mm-hmm. is, that is a thing that happens for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, uh, once again, I'd like to acknowledge the chat. They have come out here to watch us on a Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube. Thank you guys for coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's big recommend is going to be some like it hot from 1959. Uh, do you guys have any small recommends? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. Yes, indeed. Uh, my small recommend is a show that I think is Peacock exclusive, so it's an NBC Universal property. It is the latest from Damon Lindelof, uh, though mm-hmm. he is teaming. He is co-running this show with Tara Hernandez, who did a lot of writing and work on um I, what was the sitcom it was it was one of the most popular sitcoms of all time but i never watched it so i could never remember it was uh maybe big bang theory that, mm. does that sound right so i think she was on mm. big bang theory and, and has done this but it's mrs davis uh and i wanted to talk Ooh. a little bit about this uh i have really really loved damon lindelof's television output like mm-hmm. ever since lost um i was slow to get on um the whatever the end of times rapture uh, leftovers leftovers yeah yeah i was slow to get on the leftovers a little bit the first season i wasn't kind of digging it but then man when it picked up steam i was all over that uh i am on record uh, about how amazing uh his watchman series is uh one of the greatest uh, tv endeavors in my opinion of all time mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was curious and interested to see what he and Tara were cooking up here. And I don't want to diminish Tara's participation and part in this because it really is from her idea. I heard an interview with her and Damon talking about this show. Um, And she wanted to deal with a show that was uh, comedy and lighthearted, but also dealt with like, like faith issues in a really interesting way. And also wanted to deal with how the the internet and electronics have become kind of the new religion and the new faith and how algor- like a overseeing algorithm could be misinterpreted as a benevolent God, like these kind of ideas. So there are these big ideas, which is, you know, going to appeal to me. Um, and I loved it. Loved every single minute of it. Uh, every episode is available to stream. Uh, the whole uh, series is there. 
Uh, it can be a little disorienting for the first few episodes because there is a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, what's really beautiful, I think, about this series and what uh, Lindelof has done in other series as well is by the time you get to the end, it all falls into place and it all makes sense. And one of the greatest plot reveals I've seen in a long time uh, happens in the penultimate episode of this series. Uh, and re I really, really enjoyed Mrs. Davis. So I wanted to give it a shout out. Nice. Okay. I have seen good things about this on the tweets and yeah. uh, I have the Peacock, so I might uh, have to check it out. I mean, you're also dealing with, you know, Betty Gilpin, who is just, uh, you know, a pleasure to watch in and everything uh, she's in. And I forget the guy's name. He was in the Limitless show, and I really liked him there. He's got a really kind of interesting uh, presence and sense of humor. So oh, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. and they, they work well together. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really good. All right. Uh, Jeremy, what about your small recommend? Batman. Batman, Ooh. Batman, 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 Batman. Ooh, Batman. Okay, so What's a Batman? I'm going to rep recommend uh, an issue of Batman that they're calling Batman 900. Came out uh, end of April, beginning of May. And it feels to me like actually a two issues worth of pages. Um, and so um, I think it's a double issue. And it's technically Batman 135, but if you go back to all the different Batman titles over the years, this is 900, 900th Batman comic. Wow. Uh, and it's awesome. Now, backstory that you don't need but i'm going to give you anyway for the last several episodes the main villain episodes um issues the main villain in batman has been the red mask uh and we've known his name but we only just in the previous issue learned that he is a sane joker he's the joker if the joker never went insane um which is kind of a fascinating thing to explore because the joker's main thing has always been his insanity um, well, the one that I'm recommending, number 900, um, sees this red mask deciding he wants to be insane, like the Joker. So he's, he creates a rift in the multiverse and starts jumping to different universes, trying to turn Jokers in every universe he goes to or understand what makes them turn. Hmm. Well, somebody, I forget who it was, um, attaches, I think Batman, attaches... Um, a beacon. And so Batman's being pulled through this multiverse, one and a half, two universes behind the red mask. So he keeps seeing the carnage of a new Joker or Joker uh, that's dead. Uh, but the point of all this is that this is a love letter to Batman comics and movies and cartoons. Mm. If there's a Batman that you love, He's in this. We see his multiverse. We see Adam West's Batman. He wow. actually gives his utility belt to our Batman, and it comes in handy. We see uh, the Dark Knight Returns Batman, who is old and uses armor. A Batman Beyond, who's, who's not even Bruce Wayne, but Bruce Wayne is in that series. And he just jumps through all these different Batmen. And it's, it's not this over-grandiose, look at how important everything is. Like, I feel like the MCU, is doing with their multiverse this is just fun this is just hey do you like batman flip the page you're gonna see another batman do you like batman mm -hmm. flip the page you're gonna see another batman <laughs> um and i had so much fun with it and uh yeah batman loses his hand it's crazy but uh highly recommend our good friend patrick chris recommended this issue to me yeah. 
and I bought it instantly uh, and just cackled all my way through it. So that's my big recommend or my small recommend that's, this week. That's awesome. Did you did you guys ever see that corridor digital thing they did where they put Adam West in the last year's Batman movie? No, that uh, it's awesome though. I guess they did it last year when the trailer was out. So they put they just did it where they put Adam West stuff in the the Batman trailer just put plugged him in and all the characters too like they put in the burgess meredith penguin inside the colin farrell awesome. one so it was it looked almost fairly seamless and funny it was really funny and well done but uh i have my uh uh small recommend is something that actually kind of ties into today's movie and i didn't mean for it that way i just kind of picked a random movie off of my shelf that i hadn't seen uh, witness for the prosecution uh from 1957 it is a billy wilder film just like uh, some like it hot and it starts off kind of comedy-esque and you're like is there gonna be it seemed this seemed like it was gonna be kind of a drama at first but it's uh but it, it does turn into one but not like a really super hardcore one but uh this stars is it tyrone power i think is his name um i haven't i don't know if i've ever seen that guy before but it's uh tyrone power charles lawton and marlene dietrich charles lawton plays this lawyer who's just uh recovered from a heart attack he's coming back to his place of business he's ready to go but he's got a nurse who's like you can't do anything difficult right now you just came off of this heart attack but then a, an intriguing case and a guy with cigars that he really wants to smoke uh, comes into the office and uh, tells him that my client has been accused of this murder and he is completely innocent. There's a bunch of circumstantial evidence. Uh, you know, will you take this case? And so and yes, uh, so he he he, he, he takes this case. Then his wife, Marlene, played by Marlene Dietrich, comes in and says one of the things that he told you wasn't true about this. There's a there's a matter of a will that the person who who got killed left and left eighty thousand pounds for for uh, the character played by Tyrone Power, and he claims he didn't know about it. So if he could, if he didn't know about it, he couldn't have killed her for the money, right? So this is that's the setup for this basically just a courtroom drama, but it's really really well done, of course, because Billy Wilder's awesome. Throughout the whole thing, you're going to see. Uh, the prosecution call their witnesses and then finally a surprise witness for the prosecution mm. turns out to be Marlene Dietrich. His wife goes mm. onto the stand to testify against him. And the reason why she is able to testify against him, even though that's against the rules usually is that they find out that, uh, that the marriage that they claim to have isn't really, isn't real. So, why does she do this and why and and are they going to be able to find out what really happened in this murder situation um anyway this is a really good movie the, the less i talk about it the better for you guys mm. uh, so that you can find the reveals for yourself uh but this is a very well done movie very funny charles lawton i believe got nominated for an oscar for this he is mm. really great uh in this and uh it's just a different kind of lawyer than you've ever seen in movies before so uh highly recommend this one um if you're gonna go if you're gonna run through some billy wilder this is a good one i was gonna say here's hoping you didn't just torpedo uh one of our super secret double features there. it was you know. it was absolutely one of my possibilities uh it is a phenomenal film i i uh back up this wreck uh, uh wholeheartedly i watched this during like the first uh first year of pandemic it was when i was like kind of plowing through some older stuff and i think it's one of the greatest courtroom dramas ever i like mm -hmm. some of the courtroom stuff in this movie is so well done uh mm -hmm. and engaging so yeah it's it's a good one yeah 
for sure. Uh, that leads us into our big recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Uh, 1959, Some Like It Hot, also directed by Billy Wilder. You look at his filmography, it's just stunning. It's just absolutely incredible. I believe we once put him on a Mount Rushmore or something. I think we did. But um, Some Like It Hot starts off uh, with an interesting... an interesting uh, opening. Uh, it, we find out we're in Chicago in 1929 during a prohibition, and we see some gangsters getting chased by some cops, and the cops shoot at the car, and they shoot holes through this uh, coffin, and the coffin is leaking alcohol, mm. we find out. And this is what they've been doing. They've been smuggling alcohol into a funeral parlor, which is a front for a speakeasy. Mm-hmm. And so they, so people walk into this funeral parlor. They've got to know the right words to say to get into the speakeasy. You go into the speakeasy. There's a huge party going on, basically. It's this huge club where people are singing, dancing, blah, 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 drinking alcohol the American way. Um, <laughs> those walls are soundproof as hell yes oh. yes they are that's very correct i can can i just add about the the opening one of the things that impressed me so much is just like you watch older movies sometimes and the exposition they do is so expertly revealed like that mm-hmm. scene tells us everything we know need to know about the setting what's going on it does it so in a, a clever way like today yeah. they would be in a bar and somebody on the news would be like we enter the third year of prohibition this year <laughs> yeah. and like it's just like <laughs> just like i love that kind of stuff when it's just like, I like really how somebody's in a bar uh during <laughs> prohibition um... right yes exactly a juice yeah. bar it's a juice bar jeremy right okay. right right absolutely <laughs> um we are uh we are introduced to our main characters here uh played by tony curtis and jack lemon tony curtis is a saxophone player uh jack lemon is a bass player or a double bass if you prefer um and uh and they are uh part of the band that's playing the music in there of course we find out that uh this this is going to get ra- this place is going to get raided because the uh cops discussed this with an informant beforehand and uh when it gets raided they run away um and they uh they get they they escape arrest of course and then just uh they go the the next day they go back and look for work because they're going to be out of work now that the speakeasy has been raided and they go to each of these rooms looking for work looking for band work and even one place tony curtis is apparently a big womanizer he uh asked this woman out on a date and she he stood her up and as a joke she says oh there is one job that we have for you why don't you go back here and and find out what it is and this guy is looking for a sax player and a bass player for an all-female band but uh he doesn't know that going back in there so she says you got a job and he says, you you have there's no way you're going to be able to get in this you're men you can't get into this into this all-female band and um and uh so they decide they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get the hell out of town they're gonna go they uh they want to borrow the woman's car the one tony curtis stood up they will go to borrow that car they go down into a garage and that's where um the informant is with a bunch of his uh gangster friends or whatever his buddies are there and then the gangsters show up and they shoot toothpick the guy named toothpick i think is his name shoot him along with all of his buddies while uh, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemon 
are down down there and of course they have witnessed a murder the gangsters are going to kill them but uh, one of the people doesn't die. i think toothpick doesn't die just long enough to, to, to create a diversion and uh tony curtis and jack lemon run out uh and escape and uh so they decide okay why don't we uh to evade uh these gangsters we need to we need to lie low we need to figure out a way to do this why don't we dress up as women and get into this all women's band and everything so yeah their name are names are joe and jerry so tony curtis is joe he's going to be josephine jack lemon is jerry he's going to be geraldine mm -hmm. but then he throws a curveball at the end and so and when he's when they're introducing themselves and he calls himself daphne because he hates geraldine uh <laughs> they're trying to act like they're trying to act they're trying to uh, learn the ropes of how to walk and talk like women and when marilyn monroe walks by them, uh <laughs> jack lemon who is now daphne uh says you know look at how they walk it's uh, like jello on springs it's an entirely <laughs> different sex and so they get on the train we find out that uh, marilyn monroe is playing a character named sugar cane which is definitely a cover and she has been gotten in trouble before for drinking uh too much alcohol and if she's ever caught again she's gonna get kicked off the train and and so josephine and daphne are now trying to like uh they they're, they kind of forget that they're women at times and they really are attracted to marilyn monroe i wonder why and so they befriend her on the on the train there's even a point where a, a liquor bottle falls out of uh, falls out of her dress and uh jack lemon as daphne uh covers for her and says that it was that's my bottle so that she doesn't get kicked off sugar learnt like starts to uh enjoy the friendship that she and daphne have she even sh shows up in her uh bunk uh in the train and the whole big huge party starts which is a funny thing for me the party is loud as hell and it's not until it's like over that the the main yeah. person comes they're out in the like, same room <laughs> they are in the same room there's 30 women in mm -hmm. one bunk like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then it's uh, it's not too long after that that Sugar starts befriending uh, Josephine, played by Tony Curtis, and Tony Curtis learns a lot of things about her. That she's attracted to sax players. Ooh, what a surprise! What a what a coincidence! <laughs> and uh, she's got all these problems. And then he he come up comes up with an idea. Once they hit Florida, this is where it's set. Even though I believe it was shot in San Diego, um, they uh, they go to Florida and uh tony curtis comes up with an idea i can do a double disguise i can be a woman for the band but i can be a man playing a millionaire uh, when i'm not in the band so they so the the whole thing is play with this female band and then he he changes into this person who's shell oil jr basically is what it comes <laughs> down to yeah. He's Shell Oil Jr. and uh, and she uh, he they happen to run into each uh, she and he and Sugar run into each other on the beach. They strike up a conversation. He tells her all the things that she wants to hear to get with him, uh, and uh, they start a a romance. But he plays really hard to get. Uh, it's weird. It's very strange. I don't exactly know what the point of that is, other than maybe there you're trying to get the audience to be sympathetic with like her making the moves, I guess. Mm. It's it's kind of a weird thing. Like if 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 he just goes ahead and says, 
like doesn't lie doesn't lie this much and whatever maybe it maybe the audience doesn't think this is completely on the level or something that we should he tony curtis doesn't seem to be that good of a guy really honestly if you're there's not really any reason to root for him to get marilyn monroe so that's a weird thing about this movie but i think the reason why he why he does this hard to get thing is that so that she will make all the moves i'm not sure I, I do I do think there's something about it to make it feel a little less sleazy, but at the same time, it's still a form of manipulation, right? Like it's still yeah. a uh, you know, but it but it does allow the audience, I think, to more laugh at it than be going, you know, how yeah. you know how terrible is this that he's just completely you know pretending to be another person to seduce her kind of thing. Yeah, so he does this whole thing, and I'm not going to mention a movie that this reminds me of, just in case it's one of your double features. Uh, but uh, but he he does this whole thing where basically he says, uh, you know, I I had a girlfriend and and I was totally in love with her, and she died, and now I'm completely frigid, and I I I no woman can uh, can. Uh, make me want to uh, be you with can them try to again. kiss me you can try to see if you can you know uh make it mean something but it's yeah. not gonna work it's you it know. really isn't going to work <laughs> and so uh she kisses him several times and no no mortal man would be able to uh handle this no mortal <laughs> human could be could could handle this and um and so it gets to that point where uh where he's he's finally successfully seduced her but then uh, more complications arise uh, at the hotel. There is a Friends of the Italian Opera thing that uh, shows up in town, and guess who? It's all the gangsters from Chicago have have uh, come to arrive in uh, Florida, and uh, they um, they they you know not only is it's like a five families type of deal. I don't know if they're all from Chicago. I guess they might be, but uh, so our our original gangsters. Uh, come in and uh they they actually see jack lemon and tony curtis dressed up as women and even ask them at one point didn't we see you somewhere before maybe chicago and then daphne says you we wouldn't be caught dead in chicago which is <laughs> a really good line um and uh they are uh they are being chased about uh, but there's a big huge meeting that ha they get chased basically into the room where they're going where all the gangsters are going to meet and they're under this table while the Chicago gangsters, or at least the one side of the gangsters that we know, are sitting at one end of the table, and then a whole bunch of others are seated around in this like U form of a table or whatever. And this guy comes up and he says, "You know, uh, you know, uh, glad that you glad that I elected myself leader. That was a good choice on your guy, you guys' part. I thought that was a funny <laughs> thing." Uh, but uh, they they are he's saying he's going to retire and he's going to leave it to somebody else. And, uh, but, uh, before that there's some unfinished business because they, because of the gangsters killed toothpick Charlie and it was uh, other people. And it was a, a big, huge news story that gave gangsters a bad name. Damn and it. it's, I think it's patterned on the St. Valentine's, uh, massacre from, uh, that Al Capone orchestrated back in the, uh, the same era or whatever. But this is something that they shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done something so public and so, and so, um, dramatic. So, uh, of course they kill the gangsters right there in a hotel, just as dramatic and, and, and whatever, <laughs> but they kill those gangsters and guess what? Jack lemon and Tony, uh, Tony Curtis are on the run again because they've witnessed these murders and now they're running through the building. 
uh, being chased by them. And um, ultimately, uh, they need to get out of there. Uh, Tony Curtis ends up telling uh, Marilyn Monroe, I can't be with you because my father has set me up with somebody else in Venezuela and another, there's a merger uh, going on. And I guess marrying his daughter is going to be the thing. That's the lie he tells. Uh, the thing that I haven't gotten to in this whole uh, thing is Jack Lemon is being seduced by a man named Osgood during this whole thing. He's a millionaire. So Daphne, of course, resists this man's advances all the way through. Uh, there's even a point where they get on an elevator and it's and there's a, a suggestion that he she got pinched mm -hmm. uh, during it. And, of course, she keeps doing this whole thing where it's like, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So there's a point where Tony Curtis is has a fi finds a way to do a switcheroo where where Osgood will pursue Daphne on land while uh, while Josephine takes Marilyn Monroe on the yacht on Osgood's yacht without him knowing. And so, uh, while, uh, they're on the yacht, Osgood and, and Daphne are sitting there like dancing the night away. The, these are some funny scenes. Uh, <laughs> Jack Lemon sitting there dancing and pretending to be this woman. And there's a point where, uh, he leads and jo and Osgood's like, uh, you're leading again. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Or whatever. Um, <laughs> So after the uh, the yacht the yacht uh, trip and everything, he Tony Curtis comes back and uh, Jack Lemon uh, dresses Daphne sitting there like shaking these maracas or whatever, and uh, and he goes what uh, what happened? He goes I got engaged <laughs> and he said <laughs> and uh, Tony Curtis is like you can't marry you can't marry him. Do I have to explain why you can't marry him and everything? Like, well, why not? I figure we could get the marriage. We could get an annulment afterwards, and uh, and then and I could get half of his money. Why not? Why shouldn't I do that? Um, so he also gives him, he also gives Daphne this like diamond uh, diamond wristband, diamond uh, bracelet thing uh, that uh, Tony Curtis ends up giving to Marilyn Monroe as a give as a uh, going away present essentially. Um, and, uh, but, uh, the, the whole, the whole idea is that, yeah, he's going to pr proceed with his marriage, but there, um, that, and okay, now I'm going to, where are we, where am I at now? I kind of skipped. <laughs> well, you went back to talk some... about, uh, the Osgood stuff, but I think you're back to them running from the mob the second time. So they're running away from the, the mob the movie, again. Yeah. They get on the, they get on the boat. They, they, so Tony Curtis, uh, ends up, uh, telling Marilyn Monroe, Hey, I lied this whole time and she's okay with it because it's a happy ending. It doesn't really matter. Um, the, and then Osgood and Daphne are in the front of the boat at the, at the end of this, this is a famous scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daphne has, uh, Daphne has, is telling him, um, you know, I smoke, I, I can't have kids and every, everything that he comes up with is, you know, well, that doesn't matter. That's not a big deal. This is what, you know, I, you know, basically I still love you. And then finally he's like, all right, darn it. And he pulls off his wig. He's like, I'm a man. And, uh, Osgood says, well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Meaning he's, he's attracted to the still person it. more than, yeah, yeah, he's attracted to the person more than anything. And that's how the movie ends. And it is fantastic and perfect. So <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, what did you think about this movie? I really enjoyed it. It was my first time to ever see it. Um, and it's wild that the discourse we're having in our country right now, mm -hmm. and this was in the late 50s, 
although in reading about it, I did read that the state of Kansas banned this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, if it came out today, if they re-released it today, would Kansas ban it again? Would Florida beat them to it? I don't know. Um, I will tell you this. If you like Marilyn Monroe or simply want to like Marilyn Monroe, I would not recommend reading up on the yeah. film. Or the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will read you one one entry from the IMDb. Uh, she required 47 takes to get It's Me Sugar correctly. Yeah. Because she kept saying, sugar, it's me, or it's sugar, me, which reminds me so much of that Friends episode where Joey's just supposed to say, mmm, soup, but he keeps saying, mmm, noodle soup. Um, (laughs) And then she's supposed to say, where's the bourbon? Rummaging through drawers, but she kept saying whiskey. So he wrote the line on the inside of the drawer, but then she forgot which drawer to open, so he put the line inside every single drawer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There are about a dozen other entries in here that don't, exactly cast her in a positive light uh, yeah. although well I and there's reason to believe that maybe she was pushed throughout her career into some of these behaviors but i think so and she only has three more movies after oh, this. what a That's, shame yeah it is a real shame she She's is still magnetic and i don't i don't I haven't read much about the seven-year itch i've seen the movie but um that was billy wilder did that movie too was it the yep. seven-year itch i can't is it the seven-year itch yeah i think it's mm-hmm. it yeah um and um and uh i don't think i've heard the stories of marilyn monroe i don't think that he would have worked with her if that was a, a, a problem a few years of, prior to this movie so, right well i mean they, uh, it does say he had a cast dinner for some like it hot and specifically did not invite her uh, yeah that was after yeah. this yeah she was really upset um so i'm just saying before this did the seven-year itch i don't right. think i heard there, anything there yeah. any issue there uh, so yeah. something must have changed i don't know I don't yeah. know, but so. yeah, it's really funny. I love, I like how dramatically it starts. It starts like an Al Capone movie. And I even mm. made a note that this is, I was not expecting this opening to what I was led to believe was a, a cross-dressing road comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it's violent. And, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's all, yeah. Leading, it's all to set up uh, the seriousness of why they need to run. Um, that's all the times that they do. Yeah. So, there's like guys, <clears throat> there's like, dead people with like blood uh coming out of them and stuff i was kind of surprised to see that in a 1959 movie but yeah uh i don't know how long they had been kind of doing that usually people would get shot and you would see no holes no blood nothing and they just you just oh, okay my my imagination will tell me that they got shot um but uh, <laughs> in this in this the you know they they went with the makeup and everything anyway uh aaron what did you think about this movie Oh, I love this movie. Um, I I think I love it in that it is one of the funniest movies ever written. Like it's mm-hmm. like there are so many great lines in this movie. Uh, I was saying to somebody yesterday, B- Billy Wilder is becoming very quickly to me kind of like um, Aaron Sorkin prequel. Like you know, mm-hmm. like there's the just the way that the that that he chooses to put all this together and uh and do all this is uh is really really hilarious um the uh we haven't mentioned that uh tony curtis is doing a cary grant impression for his his rich guy and it's such a good cary grant impression it is it slays me every time he says something and i i just have to believe during that time that absolutely killed in the theaters like to hear him doing that um was amazing uh you mentioned the uh 
maraca scene where he's so excited about getting married or whatever and it has that line i think somebody in the comments mentioned it like who's the lucky girl and he says me <laughs> he does the maracas or whatever uh apparently that uh scene hit so hard during the previews people were laughing so hard they had to reshoot that with the maraca bit to give room for laughter uh, wow. after those lines um so yeah it's just it's just one of the funniest uh movies uh i think that's ever been made and i think there are plenty of awards and bodies that have mentioned it as such i think afi put it at the very top of you know 100 comedies uh list that they did Yep. Um, it's always in the AFI top 100 American movies list. Um, you know, it's it's it deserves the respect uh, it gets. But for me, I love it mostly uh, for the just the, the one liners just throughout. Just there's just little throwaways like uh, at one point, um, you know, after they find Marilyn Monroe has a little flask or whatever in her hosiery or whatever. And then I think one of his next lines is, did you check out the shape of that liquor cabinet? And it was just, <laughs> just, just little stuff like that. It just I love slaves when me. they run up to the train when they're first dressed as women, and one of them goes, "We're the new girls," and the other one goes, "Brand new." Uh, <laughs> and then I just yes. started dying. Yeah, um, there is yeah. the the only the you know watching this and with you know twenty uh, first century eyes in in mind, there there are some things you start to wonder like. It does give a little bit of, uh, it goes into that men dress like women to be lecherous kind of thing that mm. we hear bandied about is one of the reasons that, you know, men can't dress like women and women can't dress like men or the bathroom situation or whatever, because then it'll get taken advantage of. So that was a little icky to me that the movie focused so much on kind of the the lechery of it. You know, there really mm -hmm. is that train scene. It, it really is about, oh, we're using being a woman as a way to you know peekaboo and yeah, play around him. and yeah. get close to him and stuff so yeah there is that yeah, um slab was talking about the um haze code on this now i had read mm -hmm. that i i we know that the haze code at this point filmmakers aren't really adhering to it that much it's not being used as as restrictively as it was before but i also saw something i think in the imdb trivia that said that it was they just they did it without the haze code essentially i think they just mm. said that they they're they're just not gonna i don't know they're not gonna get a chance to see this movie and 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 tell us whether or not we can play it or not i guess i'll need to read more up into that uh it may the the work around the haze code comment in the imdb may just be that they were they were being they they were pushing the limits but they weren't going too far or whatever so that they could get through it um but i don't know that's an interesting thing that if you ever watch anything on the haze code or read up the haze code it's you you got the sense that oh when it, it was something that was just was like a hammer lock on all movies you had you had to had to adhere to the haze code at all times but movies were like the you know different uh philosophies and and uh and thoughts about what should go into movies was it was getting a little bit more liberal about that uh even in the late 50s and uh until the 60s it finally just dissipated and they created the rating system and i can tell i can we can all ask which one is better the haze code or the rating system that's uh, that's for <laughs> another day um but uh yeah this is a this is a delightful movie and yeah yeah, you, I, I read I read these Marilyn Monroe comments, and I, I can't help but think that they're probably true about what, sh, what what they endured on this. But I also know 
this comes from an era where uh, it was still okay to just say, well, she was difficult or whatever. And, and she may have had some other ideas about the movie that the, she and the director didn't agree with. And so then it becomes this whole thing. Like, you know, like it becomes a, it becomes almost a, a, a lore of some sort that, uh, that uh, she was so difficult on this. I got the sense that this was probably true for some, you know, that most for the most part true, but I still think there's, there's something in there that there might be some sexism going on there as yeah, well. Sure. Yeah. Um, I thought the same thing, you know, you because never, if it's Tony Curtis that has a, has a problem with a line 40 times, would they have said anything about Tony Curtis? Would he have come out right. and said, Hey, Tony Curtis had for trouble with this one line 40 times. And we had to re we had to shoot it over and over and over again. Probably wouldn't have heard about Tony Curtis, but anyway. Um, yeah. All right. It's time for both of you guys to give me your super secret double feature, which makes this a super mm. sec secret, triple feature, <laughs> secret, so triple feature. <laughs> Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Um, I want Aaron to go first. I, okay. If Aaron choose, I have two. And if Aaron chooses my preferred one, I will be mystified. But I still want to let him go first since it's his first official time giving uh his super secret double feature pick no so i it. don't i don't think there's a chance that this is yours uh i don't i don't even honestly know how you guys feel about this movie but i really like it and it was mentioned in the chat as one of the possibilities um i'm going with sister act uh for oh. my double feature mm. and i really enjoy this movie i think it's done really well i think the story is told really well it's a very similar case of have to hide in a musical group to avoid uh, the mob who I saw murder. Like, I mean, it's like, you know, in many yep. ways, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised actually if somebody was like, hey, what's a version of some like it hot that we can do, you know, because yeah. it, mm -hmm. it really has uh, that feel to it. Um, so yeah, Sister Act is is my uh, super secret double And the feature. second one, you get young Jennifer Love Hewitt. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you get um, right. um, the gal from the Fugees. Oh, Lauren Hill? Lauren Hill. She's in the second mm. one, too. And, and before Jeremy gives uh, his super secret double feature, there is one other thing I wanted to say uh, that I think is uh, valuable to say right now about the movie itself, which is the broad, the new Broadway show just got the most Tony nominations for the season. So they got like 13 mm. Tony nominations for the new show, including nominations for Jay Gee and Alex Newell who I believe are the first non-binary people uh, to ever receive a, a Tony, a Tony mm. nomination. Because the new version plays the uh, Daphne character as a more genuine kind of realization about who they are, um, mm. as opposed to, you know, two men dressing like women. Like there's more nuance to those characters, but it keeps the comedy, which I think mm. is a really smart take um you know on on what's going on here uh yeah. where you've got one who is really just playing a role and the other who is learning something about themselves which actually it's kind of there in the original movie by the way like you know a lot of that daphne stuff contains a little bit of that so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah hmm all right well i i i'll give you both of mine even though my preferred my pref my preferred my preferred one is the one I'm going to give last, and that's the one I prefer. But uh, <laughs> I, I hovered over the freshman for a really long time hmm. Um, hmm. just because I felt like there was some um, fitting in 
organized crime-esque things. I found what I think is a better one, and I'm not even positive you've seen this movie, either of you, but it's 1999's Happy Texas. Um, oh, no, I remember this, but I didn't see this it. This is Jeremy Northam and Steve Zahn uh, as escaped criminals who steal a van that turns out to be the van of two gay men who are co pageant choreographers on their way to the town of Happy, Texas. So these two are stopped by a police officer for speeding. He mistakes them for the two gay choreographers, and they spend a few days in this town choreographing a, a child's pageant while trying to hide from the cops, while trying to have relationships with these women who think they are gay, that they've fallen for, and while the third escape prisoner shows back up and tries to show who they are. Uh, I saw it only once. I rented it uh, with a good buddy back in college or just after college, uh, and we, I remember laughing a lot. It's got a pretty good rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I just feel like there is a kindred spirit there in the hiding out, pretending to be something you're not, uh, while cops and criminals may be after you. So mm -hmm. there you go. All right. All right. The uh, movie that I was thinking of when I didn't want to say what the possible double feature was when uh, t Tony Curtis is playing hard to get is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between that movie and this movie um, as well uh, in, in certain places. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, Jeremy, what is next week's homework? Next week's. I love how we were certain with, with a third host we were not going to have time for questions and we're going to have time for questions yes um, we are <laughs> your homework for next week is on disney plus it is a movie i have not seen since the 90s it's candle shoe starring jodie foster and david mm. Niven, um and helen hayes this is uh, a movie about uh, a street girl uh and a, and a criminal who convinces her to go to this rich old woman's castle and say, hey, I'm your long-lost granddaughter because the, he's figured out that there's a pirate's treasure buried somewhere on the grounds. And so she begins uh, kind of lying to this family, but they take her in and they're really kind and she's looking for the treasure and there's an adventure. And I must have watched this movie 60 times when I was in middle school. Um, so there you go. I'm excited to get back to it. Haven't seen it in probably 30 years. And it's on mm -hmm. Disney Plus. It's rentable for three ninety nine and several other places. Uh, candle shoot. All right, all right. Uh, do we have some time for some questions? Question, question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. You unbelievably. I hope we have enough yeah. questions for the time. Like we um, moved so we moved so fast that uh, we actually did it with the three people and everything. Well, you know what? If we've got time, I have one more thing about some like a hot that I want to say, okay, which great. is I never realized the word hot was a play on words. Which the uh, first time ever in researching at this time realized it's a jazz term for improvisation. So hot jazz is a type of jazz that's all improvisation. So mm. the idea of some like it hot is like some like it improvise, some like it, you know, uh, taking mm. it as it is, which kind of fits with a lot of the themes. So yeah. um, it's a lot better title than I realized. One of my uh, favorite things about jazz, I was into jazz for about three years in college because it was a really good jazz club in Chicago. There's probably 12 really good jazz clubs in Chicago. Uh, but I would go there um, Frequently, I had good pizza and it was tight, cramped seating. But jazz songs can be 25 minutes long. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, an entire set can feel like one song. Uh, and it's not like any other form of music. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to these questions, uh, which I say here in the notes, we almost certainly won't have time for questions. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what is the worst original movie song 
you will admit to enjoying? Um, the <laughs> this one, <laughs> everybody's gonna hate me when I say this. I don't know. <laughs> you may not even know what the song is. It's kind of obscure at some point. But uh, Limp Biscuits uh, take a look around at the end of the Mission Impossible Two soundtrack. As uh, the credits uh, is is one that I really like, and it has a special place in my heart because i watched this movie with uh jeremy and i's buddy russell back in the day mm-hmm. uh and uh and uh the the song starts playing at the end of the credit we just watched the thursday night what we usually do on thursday nights watch those movies before they come out uh the credits roll and they play limp biscuits take a look around and there's that there's a point where it's just like it just goes insane with like the, the mosh pit type of music that it's, that it's playing. And Russell goes all the way down to the front of the auditorium and just, he bends down and then he just, just does all these like big dance moves right in, right in front the front of the auditorium. But, uh, I don't know. I'm a sucker for this type of thing where it's just like, it's just like just a super hard rock, uh, you know, uh, through it. And, uh, and uh, so I've, I really, really dig that song, uh, even though I can admit that it's terrible. Uh, I, I am a, I'm a sucker for big ballads. And so as much as people get s- like sick of those songs, I just never get sick of them. I, I could listen to Let It Go from Frozen today and love the snot out of that song. Like it's, you know, uh, or My Heart Will Go On from a Titanic or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the big ballad is. Like I just, for whatever reason, I, I really get into them. Um, uh, the bodyguard, I will always love you. Like those are the kind of original songs where I'm just like, turn it up and uh, and pretend like I can sing. Like that Whitney song Houston. from the bodyguard was number one for six and a half years. <laughs> yeah, it was on for a very long it was. time. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, I find the song the kids play at the end of School of Rock to be insipid and cloying, and I still bop to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I credit jack black's enthusiasm as well as the kids charm throughout the movie having already endeared me to them but if you if you break down the lyrics to that song it's nonsense and it's some poorly written baby we was making straight a's but we was stuck in the dumb days don't take much to memorize your lies whose lies I feel mm-hmm. like I've been hypnotized. By whom? Then the magic man came to town, spun my head around, said, recess is in session two and two make five, and now I'm alive? Mm-hmm. And then the chorus is, if you want to be a teacher's pet, baby, you better not forget about rock and roll, <laughs> not having a rhyme. Or It is a really insipid song, but I do jam out to it by the end of that movie. So there you go. <clears throat> nice. Uh, over in the chat, um, uh, well, I had it on here a minute ago, and I don't have it now. Where is it? Where is it? Was talking about uh, the song from Spider Man at the end of that. Was it okay? So it was. It was somebody was asking if it was the Nickelback song "Hero" from Spider Man Two. <laughs> that's Chad Kroger, actually. I mean, it's same thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, with uh, Josie Scott, I actually like that song too. I don't know if it's considered bad by the masses, but that uh, that Hero song I really do like. So. Um, uh, maybe I just like really bad. It's not rock. a great hero song until Jacob Dylan and the Wallflowers cover it. Mm, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Fair. Um, okay, we got uh, we got to go on to the next one. All right. Uh, what is a bad movie with a good idea that deserves a remake? Um, you know, this is one of the we we answered this question ready for a podcast several 
I don't know, probably a month or so ago, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But, and I may have may probably could have come up with a better one than this, but I still think, I still think this movie has a decent premise as long as you aren't doing it in a stupid manner as this movie did. There was a movie that came out a few years ago starring Rebel Wilson called, called Isn't It Romantic? Uh, mm. Where she finds herself in a romantic comedy. She knows that she's in a romantic comedy. So everything plays off very fake fakey and not real to her as she lives in this world and the stuff that the stuff that the movie is saying is romantic comedy stuff just doesn't land for me whatsoever in it and and, and it's and it's why the jokes don't seem to 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 land for me at all um there's just a lot of things in there that even even the worst romantic comedies don't do and then they say oh well this is what romantic comedies are like and it's like Hollywood putting a magnifying glass on itself is ugly, man. And it just needs to be an outsider making a movie like, isn't it romantic? So mm. that was the one that I came up with. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, boy, I, I love this question too much uh, because I am a, a like a high concept part. Like I love big concept movies and when they don't work, um, it's really annoying to me. Um, I think probably the, the biggest one I think of is next the Nicolas Cage yeah. uh, movie. Oh. The idea of somebody who who their gift slash curse is that they can just see the next two minutes. That's that's a really interesting concept. And this movie isn't interested in exploring that concept as much as it is about creating some sort of apocalyptic, you know, um, savior movie. Like it's uh, it's it's I think a completely bungled um, plot. I would also throw out uh, Cube which I know has its people who love mm. it, but I think it's, um, its concept is the reason a lot of people love it. I don't know that the execution um, yeah, is, is as good um, as mm. people say. Jumper's another one. Love the concept of jumper, uh, tele- you know, just teleportation. Um, and I think that's bungled. Um, I'm going to throw out Yesterday. I think bungles its concept a little bit. Downsizing. Love the concept oh, of downsizing. Yeah, downsizing. Just stole my answer, even though it wasn't in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. I just, downsizing I, is good. I, knew, I didn't. Yeah, uh, downsizing is a really smart idea, and then the movie just doesn't want to go there. And yeah, that's okay. That's what the movie wants to do. It's just not as interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, um, Jeremy might agree with this. Passengers uh, mm-hmm. is a, mm-hmm. is a good concept that needs a remake. I, so. uh, I there's so many sci-fi this is a sci-fi heavy question mm-hmm. i think and almost any philip k dick adaptation as the chat has noticed uh would work here um uh, or any of the other famous <laughs> sci-fi writers uh i robot i think is what i settle on um especially given the race to ai right now in the real world and how much it's fooling us I feel like iRobot is super timely, and if we just approach it as a non-Will Smith damn kind of vehicle, um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. then I think, I mean, maybe get a little bit different visual aesthetic. Uh, I think there's a great movie in that story. Um, So that was my choice. All right. I think we've got Um, time for one more. There's some good answers in the chat, too. The Purge is a great answer. Oh, uh, The Purge. Um, um some people saying looper i think i like looper um I like looper all right yeah, yeah i think looper han- handles it okay um but yeah uh, the adjustment bureau Ooh, yeah that's, that's a great a choice yeah. that's a great choice that's yep. a really cool concept 
Yeah. I um, tried to tweet about that movie and saying, I, I watched the Adjustment Bureau like a couple hours ago and I already forgot everything I watched because that movie is really forgettable. But people thought I was making a joke that the Adjustment Bureau had adjusted <laughs> my memory uh, of having watched. Yeah, so that was one did. of my biggest tweet fails of all time. <laughs> maybe Amazing. Uh, and then Slab's a surprise. My answer wasn't Sin City. Well, the, the, the parameters of the question was good, <laughs> good concept turned into a bad movie and this is a not a bad it's a it's not a great concept turned into a bad movie so anyway um, um all right last question what secondary mm-hmm. character in a movie would you argue is the most popular and most successful in overshadowing the main characters and why is it dug from up um I love Kieran Culkin in Scott Pilgrim versus the world I think oh, he pretty much steals every scene he's in uh in that movie um and uh he's he's just i mean he really is like the funniest character whenever he is on screen and, and there's i love scott pilgrim and i love all the other characters that are in it but he's the one that always just like makes you smile when you see him on screen so that's mine good call good call aaron i have a couple uh matthew mcconaughey and reign of fire you know he didn't show up for the first I don't know, 40 minutes. A lot of people think he's, you know, a lead in that, but he's, he's not in really most of that movie. That's a, that's a Christian Bale uh, thing. Um, and he just, that performance, I may be my favorite Matthew McConaughey performance. I think it's just captivating what he does in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Evan Peterson slash Quicksilver in uh, Days of Future Past, I think steals that movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, Brad Pitt and Twelve Monkeys, um, yeah. I yeah. think is, is. I like how you I've, came with answers, man. You came with a stack <laughs> for all these questions. Uh, I'm going to go with a really recent one that's not in my notes: Christmasina in Air, uh, the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon movie about Michael yeah. Jordan. He plays sure. the agent of Michael Jordan and has only a few scenes. One in particular that I think steals the whole movie, where he screams repeatedly about eating Matt Damon's balls. Um, mm. And uh, I just think he kind of, I mean, it helps that Matt Damon's character and Jason Bateman's characters are written as kind of quieter, meeker kind of guys, and uh, so that the agent gets to stand out. But I thought he stole mm. that movie. All right. All right. Um, that'll do it for the questions. And yeah, so why is Aaron here today? Why is Aaron, why is Aaron here? Does anybody know why that is? Okay, anyway. Um, this is an announcement that I am taking a sabbatical. I'm taking a really long sabbatical, in fact. Uh, I'll be gone for uh, several months, actually. Nothing wrong with me at all. Just uh, just needs to take a, take a break uh, from all the stuff. I mean, you remember that Everything Everywhere All at Once video where it said I wrote over 600 scripts? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's taking its toll. Um, and then uh, doing all these podcasts uh, and uh, and things of that nature, I am, I am now uh, going to be taking a break. We're going to have an interesting uh, next couple of weeks, though, because next week it will be Jeremy and Aaron talking about Candleshoe. And then there'll be a surprise episode after that um, that I will be back on. And you'll be like, oh, he's back. And it's really (laughs) just, you know, it'll be one that uh, we're we're uh, we're just we just we're putting in the bank, essentially, even though the bank's not going to be a bank very much for for much longer. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to be gone for a while. Um, There'll be hints and traces of me over the next few months uh, when you're going through our various uh, sins media stuff. But uh, I will be taking the time off. So anyway, yes. uh, also to, to that note, I forgot to say this earlier. Next week's live recording 
will be moved to 2 p.m. Central Standard on Tuesday, the 30th, instead of the typical 11 a.m. start. We apologize for the change there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just want to let you guys know that homework is Candle Shoe. Uh, bon voyage to Chris on the sabbatical, and uh, Aaron will be my co-host for the foreseeable future, and uh, I am very confident that the show will continue to offer solid recommends, um, and uh, that's all it's I have to say It's going all that. Pixar from here on out. Yeah, all seriously, the recommends be all will be M. Pixar. Night Shyamalan and Pixar <laughs> movies. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, thanks for all the comments in the chat and everything, um, but uh, uh, you know, Nick was asking, what would the 1960s movie be? I will, when I come back, I am going to resume this comedy through the decades thing. So I will have a 1960s movie raring to go. I kind of want to tell you what it is now, but I, maybe I'll change my mind in the next mm-hmm. six months. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm just going to leave that, uh, uh, for, for you guys. Uh, I'll, I, I will, I will have one ready to go once I come back anyway. Thank you guys for your comments. Yep, and, uh, you. that's going to do it, uh, for this episode. Um, I guess that's it. See ya. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs> part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com Howdy. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's going on? I'm just actively refreshing my HBO Max app, waiting for it to go to Max. Mm. That still says mm. HBO Max <laughs> as well. Um, uh, what a dumb decision. I like, like the decision of combining in the like the Discovery stuff and like... Like, I love That's that Naked and Afraid and BattleBots and like all that stuff's going to be on HBO Max now, but it's just the naming is weird. HBO is a premier brand uh-huh. in visual entertainment, and you just stripped that off of your streaming service. If anything, you associate it now with Cinemax, mm-hmm. which yep. is far from a prestige brand. It and has a you brand. And also you don't own, right? No, they Isn't own Cinemax. No, they own Cinemax. Oh, do they? <clears throat> yeah, they have for a long time. Hmm. Um, Showtime owns one of the other ones. I don't know. Okay. Um, Showtime's another CBS. Thing. Well, yeah, that's on Paramount Plus now. Like, I like stuff like moving together. Like, that's good news. Isn't this but... what we said four years ago was yes, going to happen? Of course, of course. Yeah, it was the only was way it was ever going to happen. Gonna be, yeah. Uh, how much money was spent <laughs> trying to stave off the inevitable? You can so, do any year you want to. I think the only thing for Jeremy and I, we both. Uh, worked in movie theaters in the 90s and we right. got to see a lot of movies that people didn't see when they came out and those just keep p- popping up as recommends because nobody right. talks about them right uh, that's just the way it goes so yeah you can pick from any year you want to uh i think the spirit of this although um i've picked just bonafide classics during this run through the decades and everything was to find movies that people don't really talk about um in like the underseen underrated kind of category yeah yeah i like that but 
I don't think there's any, there's no, there's no rule that says you have to keep it to that. You can yeah. make it, you know, you can make it the matrix or something. <laughs> that would be amazing. If my first big that. recommend was Jeremy's favorite movie of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, the audience would call you names in a fun, fun way. Yeah. When I record, it records everybody. So, Oh, when I record, it records everybody. I have to fix my <laughs> microphone situation. Hey, you guys talk amongst yourselves. Will do. Mm-hmm. Will do. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's your What's your favorite streaming service, Chris? Ooh, that's a good. Where question. Where do you land? Like when you when you pop open like your your apps, what's the the one that you end up usually navigating like, to? Best. Okay, so. I mean, number one is YouTube, I would say. That's fair. Go to yeah. the most often. But as far as something that makes original content and has a host of other mm-hmm. content on it, I do find myself going to HBO Max quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I heard from a friend that he thought it was hard to navigate through it. And I was like, I don't see any difference between this and any other site you just find the search and you hit the buttons and it finds the stuff for you and i don't know what people are looking for whether they're looking for that like i was looking for this obscure 1974 movie and it was supposed to show up magically in front of me when i went through (laughs) all the genres yeah there's uh that's been the other thing that's happened with the apps too is there has been a major coalescence around a ui like they all have basically the same user interface now Mm -hmm. um Prime is the only one that's still like, what are you doing, Prime? Like, this is yeah. this is terrible. Every yeah. other one's kind of got it figured out. So, yeah. The, the ones that have the worst, um, like the good ones for me are the ones that you can go to. And if you stop the movie somewhere and you go to another place and it picks up right there. And that's a basic thing. But there are some some sites that don't do it right. Yeah. So, like, the Criterion channel you'll stop a movie at a certain spot and either when you go to another place, it will back it up a couple of minutes or something, or it'll just start from the beginning and you have to find the movie again too. You can't go to a recently viewed or anything like that. So criterion's got a long way to go before they're good. Um, Somebody will buy them and incorporate them into their, (laughs) their family. I'm honestly surprised that, uh, HBO Discovery haven't just gone ahead and done it because I believe they own most of the Criterion collection. So I don't know. You know who's going to buy know. all of them? Chicken Soup for the Soul Media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, before we go to the show, I wanted to ask, I doubt I, I doubt you did. Did either of you watch the big golf tournament this weekend? I didn't. Bits and pieces, but only because I'm I'm playing the course on the EA game, and nice. it, it's all of a sudden made me more interested in watching the pros play the course that I'm playing on the video game. I'm sure, so the, like, I'm sure the uh, PGA is happy to hear that. The yeah. PGA Championship is not put on by the PGA Tour. This is really complicated. It's put on by the PGA of America. PGA of America is the membership group of the golf course pros. So it, go to any golf course, and they're going to have uh, a club pro who is who teaches mm. lessons for people who want them um and often books tea times and sells shirts in the clubhouse so the pga championship allows a certain number of these club pros to play and this year one of them came damn close to winning his name was michael block 
And after two days, he was like fourth or fifth. That's amazing. Um, That's so then fun. He fell off a little bit the third day. He ended up 15th, which means he gets to come back next year and play it again. Um, and on his last day, he hit a hole in one, but a dunk hole in one. A dunk. No I saw that one. Yeah. Just I didn't see this. <laughs> and people are like, it's Tin Cup. Oh my God. It's the real thing. <laughs> and I thought it was a fantastic story. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. I, I didn't know who was. I didn't know uh, what who was being talked about. I just saw the the replay of that shot, which was ridiculous. Yeah, you usually don't dunk them he, like that. Well, and he said he said, "Did that go in too?" Just yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah, he didn't crazy. believe it. It's hard to know if it doesn't bounce in, mm -hmm. if, depending on your angle. And I think Rory McIlroy turned to him and said, "That was fucking awesome." <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> I think it's funny that those guys are like, yeah, we live golfers proved that we're still good at golf. I'm like, okay. I don't think that was really doubted Yeah, that wasn't that. ever the issue. <laughs> Not really what my problem was, but okay. Yeah, talk about a straw man, Jesus. <laughs>